Turn, if you would, to Jeremiah chapter number 2, please. Jeremiah chapter number 2. Jeremiah chapter 2, if you would, verse number 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown. Israel was holiness unto the Lord, and the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him shall, shall offend. Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they are gone far from me, and have walked after vanity, and are become vain? Neither said they, Where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, that led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and the shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through, and where no man dwelt? And I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made mine heritage an abomination. The priest said not, Where is the Lord? They that handle the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after these things that do not profit. I'll stop reading right there tonight, sharing the thought, I guess, if you would, about why we've got to, why we've got to go on, why we've got to continue and move on. I remember just a few weeks back, as Brother Rocky shared with us from the twentieth chapter of this book, and uh, how that Jeremiah come to a point of, of just about quitting. He said there was that, that that fire that was kindled down in my bones, and I I couldn't stay. I, there was something burning within me that wouldn't let me quit. There was enough there to keep me going and, and to make me go on, to, to have that desire to go on. But uh, as I thought about that message, I thought about what brought it to that point in Jeremiah's life. What made him come to the point of wanting to quit? What got him to that place where he just wanted to lay it down, go do something else or be anything? And, and then the, at the same time, why those reasons are why we must go on, why we got to continue. And I believe that's what he shared with us as he preached that message that Wednesday night. What what will help you to make you want to go on and why we must go on is why I want to, what I want to share tonight. See, there's some things that happen. When you read the first part of this chapter, those first two or three verses there, the Lord's talking about what a good fellowship we used to have, what what a, how it used to be, how things uh, ought to be. Those first three verses, He said, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah said, go cry to the ears of Jerusalem. Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee. The Lord says, I, I, don't you remember? I remember. I remember the kindness of thy youth. I remember the love of thine espousals. When thou went after me in the wilderness in a land that was not sown. He even goes on to say Israel was holiness. He said, well, I remember those good times. I remember that time of revival. I remember when it was sweet, when it was precious, when I was able to use you and help you and strengthen you. I remember those times and I remember you. He said, when thou went after the wilderness in, in that land that was not sown. And Israel was holiness unto the Lord, verse 3, and the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend, and evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. 
I remember when we were on each other's side. I remember when uh, your enemies were my enemies and, and how I was promised to protect you and help you and strengthen you. And I got to looking and thinking about you know, it's why we got to go on is because what used to be and what is not now. And I think maybe the Lord could look at His church again tonight and say things like that again. He said, I remember a sweeter day. I remember a better time. I remember as He looks at the church as a whole, not just individual churches, but the church as a whole. It looks like to me and maybe to others, and I'm not trying to be a prophet of doom, but it looks like we're kind of losing ground. I thank the Lord. Brother Josh came by me in a fellowship song said a young lady was saved the other morning at Blue Springs over there. And I said, praise the Lord. That's good. We've got to have one of those every once in a while. That'll make you just want to get up and keep going, doing it again. And, and it's not for our sake. It's for Jesus' sake that folks are saved. We understand that. But boy, what an encouragement that is. But I'm amazed in my ministry. It seemed like it's just been a few short years. Now, it's been a long time, but it seemed like a few short years how that's even changed. How the baptistry stay dry more than they used to and how people moving to the altar with brokenness and tears is a almost a bygone thing in a lot of places in a lot of areas even even amongst us sometimes we we don't get broken it seems but i look at the condition of our day and i look back at the condition of jeremiah's day jeremiah said this that he said the lord told me to cry out and he said this is what i got to say he said well the conditions back in his day were kind of like this the prophets and the priests and the pastors had all forsaken God. So what could they expect out of the people? And we just read it to you. He said, now those priests, and he said, even the pastors, and those prophets have all turned and gone another direction. It seemed like they've got their own thing going, it seemed like. Chapter 2 here in verse number 8. He said, and the priest said not, where's the Lord? What's happened? The priests are not even crying out, where's God in all this? And they that handle the law knew me not. Said, I mean, folks that are handling God's law, His His Word, they, they don't even know Him. That's an amazing thing how this can even take place. When you get to the fifth chapter, and I'll, I'll just read a couple of verses there if you would, but in chapter number 5, in verse number 13, another another question kind of rises. He said, The prophet shall become wind, and the Word is not in them. And thus shall it be done unto them. And then you go a little further down to verse number 31 of chapter 5. The prophets prophesy falsely. And the priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. What will you do in the end thereof? He said, the prophets prophesy falsely. The priests bear rule by, by their means. And my people love to have it that way. Uh, so what's happened from chapter 2, the first three verses? What's taking place? Well, we get to chapter 2 and verse 4. And he says, so hear the word of the Lord again, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord. Here's what happened. Here's what took place. Here's why Jeremiah wanted to quit in chapter 20. Here's why the prophets and the priests and the, and the, and the uh, pastors have, have started preaching falsely and quit covering ground that they ought to. They, they, they're, they're just not getting or giving truth anymore. And they just don't seem to care. Now, when you read these verses I read to you a while ago, you see that he's saying there's some reason why we got to go on. That verse 4 again said, now, I'm writing to the house of Jacob and the house of the families of Israel. He said in verse 5, What iniquity have your fathers found in me that they are gone far from me, walked after vanity and have become vain? And, and neither said they, Where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt? He said, They don't even look for me anymore. I got them to this place. Now they don't need me anymore. I brought you this far, now I'm not needed anymore. You see, they're just not 
getting or giving truth. And boy, that's what we've got to have. We'll never survive without truth. We'll never go on without truth. When the prophets and the priests and the pastors are preaching falsely, the church cannot go on. It cannot see such things as that young lady being saved. It cannot see the power of God. And he said, my people want to have it so. They've gotten used to it. That's what they like. I mean, you send in a, a, a fire and brimstone guy into a lot of places, he don't last long. People will not have it so. Alright? You send a guy who just preaches truth. Folks don't want to hear it. They, want, they don't care if you talk about everybody else, but don't tell truth about them. Alright? Don't do that by any means. You see, it, it come to a point with these people here, so there's no limitation to their sin. There, there's nothing they won't do. He's talking about his people here. There's nothing they won't do. And then they'll name the name of God. They'll, they'll tell you what church they belong to, and there's, there's nothing they, they won't do. There's no limitation on their sin. They just, just, I mean, nobody's preaching against it. Everybody else seems to be kind of for it. So I can be a Baptist and do these things too. I'm amazed that there's no limitation to their sin and then there's no comprehension about sin. It's amazing that nothing's wrong anymore. I mean, it's like people look at you, if you preach about things, they say, well, what's wrong with him? They'll make the preacher feel guilty if they don't watch it. Man, you can romp down and preach a while and folks will shun you and leave and walk off or say something mean to you or just not come back or whatever. An old devil will work on the preacher. Get home and he'll just make him want to draw up in the corner somewhere and say, my goodness, what would I do, man? I, I'm just preaching. And they won't take it. Make you feel bad because you're doing right. It happens to us all every day, not just preachers. It happens to you. This world will do its best to make you feel wrong because you don't fit with them. All right? And there's just nothing wrong anymore. You know, drunks just have problems now. You don't get up and preach on drunks. I used to be real hard preaching rough, and, and sometimes I get that way a little bit now, but maybe Sunday I did a little bit, but I just name it what it was and call it like it is, and, and I'm sure it's probably what we need more of. I found a way to try to do those things in love instead of just being mean about it, but you know, I found myself even trying to be talked into being easy on homosexuality and everything. Well, I'm going to tell you tonight, I still believe it's sin. I believe it's against God. It's an abomination. I believe. But I used to make flippant remarks about it. And I used to I used to say hard things about it. And I learned that there was a grandma sitting out there dealing with a grandson that was of that lifestyle. And I was pouring it on him, but I was killing her. There is a way to call it wrong, though, and to be right about that. And but I'll tell you what, there are some places you could preach it and be as, as easy as I've tried to be about it and, and had to go to court over it. And, and drunks just have problems now. And, and, and boys, just boy, childhood is what turned these dopeheads into dopeheads. You know, had something bad happen to them when they were young. And, and, I mean, I understand all these things and where problems come from, but at the same time, sin is still sin. And it seemed like in our world, nothing's wrong anymore. Nothing. It just seems like we can justify anything in this world. Introduction's longer than a sermon tonight, y'all. I'm getting to it though, alright? 
just no comprehension about sin, no limitation to sin. Nothing's wrong. Just just seem like it. Just do what you want to. Nothing's wrong anymore. And then there's certainly no confrontation about sin. I mean, preachers are drawn up in their shield, and that's what's happened right here. He said the priests are not prophesying wrong, and the preachers are preaching wrong. The pastors are not even doing right. Those people that are there, those men that are there with a heart for the people, the men that are there, not just carrying out priestly ministries and not just prophesying what's going to happen. There's those men that are concerned about their people. And they don't even love them enough to preach the truth to them. I tell every young preacher, I say, you don't have to be the most popular guy in the place. And you don't have, everyone that comes to me and tries to talk to me about preaching or whatever. I always tell them this before they leave. I say, love them enough to preach the truth to them. You don't love them, you'll let them by. You don't love them, you won't preach to them. You won't want to hurt their feelings. You won't want them getting mad at you. If you don't love them, that, that, that's, that's what, but if you really love them, you'll try to keep them out of the ditch. You'll try to keep them out of the wrong places and try to keep them out of the wrong situations. You'll try to tell them what truth is. And truth's not all bad things. Truth's about good things. We're to be guided in all those things, but see, there's no confrontation about sin anymore. Preachers have become real soft on sin. Preachers have become real soft on sin. How many times am I going to have to say it before y'all get with me? Right? If the preach, preacher's not preaching against it, you expect folks to just, I think I'll just do right because God, God chose this foolishness to preach it. Save them that believe. And what does He save them from? Sin. Amen. And Well, that's God's way. So there's some reasons why, Brother Rocky, thank you for that message. There's some reasons why we've got to go on. Why we must go on. First of all, because of the sinner. You think about it. i got to do what I do because people are still lost. Some don't know it, some do know it, but my job is to do my best to let them know whichever way it is. At least bring the thought to their mind. I don't want to confuse anybody. Somebody told me one time I used to preach so hard, they said, you don't just plow up close to the corn sometimes, I believe you plow up corn. I said, I can't if it's his corn. I can cut into it, but I'll tell you what, he'll just keep it growing and going. I'll tell you what he'll do. The idea is simply this, my friend, it's about time maybe we don't cut down the corn, but we at least preach on sin and call it what it is. And May wrong be wrong again. Why? Because folks are still lost. And they're still going to hell. That's one reason we got to just go on. Priests are quitting. The prophesiers are quitting. The, the pastors are quitting. They're, my people want it that way. And, and they're getting it that way. And lost men, women, and children are still dying and going to hell. That sinner's not only got that condition, but boy's conduct. He lives that ungodly and selfish life. Somebody's got to tell him. And that's not just lost sinners. That's even saved sinners. You know what? I know some of them. I know some saved sinners. I do. I think I'm looking at some. Every once in a while, they need reminded that sin is still sin. Mine and theirs. It's still sin, alright? You see, living ungodly and selfish lives and everything. We gotta be reminded of those things. 
Preachers are laying down all the time. Man, I just hate to harp on it all the time. I'll tell you what, one of these days I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to heaven. I ain't even going to, have to preach against anything. I ain't even going to, have to preach for anything. But while I'm here, I might as well preach for and against. And, and then those sinners, all of their condition, they're lost. And those sinners that are living those ungodly and selfish lives, but what are the consequences? When a man quits preaching truth, when a man just lets things go, he loses others and he loses himself. He loses his own identity. He loses what God called him to be and what God made him to be. There's a reason why we've got to go on because they're still sinners. When we quit having sinners, fellas, let's just quit preaching, all right? But until there are no more sinners, let's get our heart full of the Word and our mouth full of the Word and attitude full of the Word and, and put on our shield of faith and our helmet of salvation and let's just keep marching. And that's not just to the preachers tonight. That's to everybody in the room. We, the reason we've got to go on is because they're still sinners. We've got to keep going on because there's still saints. Our brothers and sisters. We've got a fellowship we enjoy. And that fellowship can't be sweet unless it's wrapped around truth. You can have hot dog cookings and you can have youth movements and you can have all the things you want to have. But if there's no truth, you can't have true fellowship. If there's no word, there's no true fellowship. We've got that faithfulness that we got to... You see... Sometimes a preacher gets to where he don't want to get up and preach. I hear guys that tell me different from that. Boy, they always chomping at the bit, always wanting to preach. Well, I have to say to you, sometimes I just don't want to preach. I never want to have to. But since they're still sinners, I have to. Since God called me, that's all I can do and be right. Okay? Sometimes I just hadn't got it. Okay, y'all can all leave. Like I'm that weak. We all get that way. may not admit it, but we do. There's times when you want to say, what's the use? There's times when you say, I just don't feel too swell today. Sometimes, my head hurts. I don't even want to hear me get loud that day. Sometimes I got one of my attitudes. And I'm not talking about one of my better ones. I can have some of those sometimes. I don't even want to preach. There's a lot of reasons why sometimes you just don't want to. There's a reason that I've got to. Even when I don't want to. Even when I don't feel like it. When I can't hold my head up, I'm so sick. My blood pressure's so high. This is that, that bad. and This is showing up. And this problem's over here. And that problem's over there. And you just want to... Let's just take a break and go to the house. But, oh, I got some brothers and sisters that need me. They need me to open that book and open my mouth and give them something. 
They'd calling on me, saying, Preacher, I gotta have something to help me get through tonight. I need something to help me through this crisis. And I don't know anything. I can't go here or there and get it. If I can't get it from there, I can't get it. We gotta go on because we're still sinners and we still got our brothers and sisters. And you gotta encourage one another. You got to. We got to have it. I don't know how folks can take some months off and weeks, years off and not ever have the fellowship and the preaching and the loving. I tell you why, because a lot of times where they go to church, none of that's taking place. And I've determined in my heart a long time ago, I will not teach how to fellowship around here. I'll try to teach what's truth and what's right and live that and the fellowship will be sweet on its own. You don't go get people by playing games and then try to get them in here and have church. You have church and then they can do all the things that go along with it. All the joys that go with the sweet fellowship and all the happiness and all the sweetness. And sometimes you've got to cut away some things to get to the good part. So we can't quit because we're still sinners. Still saints, there's still brothers and sisters around that need us. Gotta go on. But I guess the main reason we can't quit and we must go on is because of the Savior. They're sinners. And they need us to keep preaching because God chose that. They need us to keep tending. They're saints and they need to be encouraged and they need help. But well, then there's Jesus. If there's no other reason for me to go on, that's enough reason for me to go on. What He's done for me, what He's doing for me, and what He's going to do for me, that's enough reason for me to go on. I owe Him more than i got time to give Him. I'll never get Him repaid. I'm not even trying anymore. I'm just trying to be obedient. I used to think I'd try to stay faithful, stay faithful, stay faithful, stay faithful. Drove it into myself. You just stay faithful when nobody else does. But the reason has kind of changed over the years is just because of that sweet fellowship I got with Him. It's not to help me. It's not to help you. It's to, it's to be what I ought to be for Him. I owe Him more than i got time to give Him. He suffered at the hands of sinful men. Men made Him suffer. And he said, there do you go preach to them. I love them anyway. Men still spit at him and call him names and use his name as a cuss word. But he says, son, go preach to them. That's the only hope they got. Keep preaching. The sacrifice that he made, that sacrifice that appeases and pleases God, that'll make you go on. When you think about what he gave for you to be where you are. Salvation. His salvation, not a little while salvation, it's an eternal salvation. That makes me want to go on. This thing's not going to last till I get through with the message. This thing's going to last through eternity. The devil will promise you anything but that. The devil will promise you anything but that. And he will. He cannot promise me an eternity of peace and joy and love. That makes me want to just keep going on. Everything I'm looking at is temporary. Including you. 
Because the part I can see of you is not the part he saved. It's that internal part. It's your soul and your spirit. That's what God saved. He's going to get rid of all this other stuff. It's hindered us. That makes me want to go on. The devil gets my eyes on temporal. And then God goes talking about eternal. I said, I believe I'll just stick with old eternity. What about you? Not only his suffering and his sacrifice and the salvation that he's given to us. What about that second coming? You know nothing else in this Bible has to happen for that to happen. It's the next biblical event. Jesus coming to get us. That makes me want to go on. Hard as it gets sometimes, as mean as it gets sometimes, as pretty as it is sometimes, one day it's all over. Soon. One day soon, it's all over. You know, I read in the back of my Bible over there where that they're going to have that blood flowing over there in the valley of Megiddo and it's going to be flowing up to the horses' bridles and there's going to be, there's going to be such a, a catastrophe take place and third of the world's going to be wiped away and then more's going to be wiped away. And Every time I hear the news these days, I get a little more excited. Korea let me down just a little bit today. They decided they wanted food more than they wanted nuclear bombs in the news. I don't believe that. I believe we're going to feed them. They're going to get back on their feet and go back to building their bombs. Iran. Oh, they're building bombs. Oh no, they're just building power plants to have electricity and all that's what they're saying. No, no, Middle East is going to be full of those things. Every day you turn on your news, they're talking about these Holocaust type bombs that are being produced in the Middle East. They're even talking about now they can set some over in Russia. They can go across the Bering Straits to the United States. Don't let that scare you. Don't let that scare you. I'm not going to say we're not going to have wars. I'm not going to say they're not going to set off bombs. One of these days, all that's going to be you. There's going to be a big explosion. And I'm not going to be here. What about you? What about you? Oh, I know folks believe we're going to have to go through the least part of it. I don't. The Bible don't believe that, so I don't believe that. I won't even be here. What about you? Amen. Let's gather around and pray tonight.